What up, everybody? This is episode 255 of the Big Gold Belt Podcast. It is two champs here, and I am joined by Mr. Silly Sellers. I'm, I'm about to rebrand somebody in a second. Uh, the Giant Crab Jamal and Mr. I don't have a Facebook, but it's all over my Facebook. Hate Hill Will Mahoney. <laughs> How you gentlemen doing today? What is going on, man? Oh. How am I appearing on Facebook? Apparently, <laughs> I never. I heard about one thing, but if I'm crossing platforms, I don't even know to what extent it might be happening. <laughs> well, we'll get to that. Somebody's about to say something. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty good. Um, you know what? I miss Eva Marie. So there. <laughs> I got a couple of a couple of things I want to say before we get into topics. Uh, first off, I definitely want to start off by. Um, uh, a quick rest in peace to the Black Mama, Kobe Bean Bryant, absolutely one of my favorite players of all time. And I definitely wanted to make sure that I put it out there on the beginning of the show to somebody that's just transcended all across sports and just the world, period. Um, a huge, huge loss in that notion um, from a tragedy last week. So definitely wanted to give a quick shout out to uh, and rest in peace to number eight and number 24. Um the next thing I want to say is, I know we kind of like mildly joked about this before, but seriously, if you're not following Oscar's YouTube channel, you definitely want to tune into that because this is absolutely some of the best content creation going on, period. Um, without it's it's like for the reasons I guess people watch Twitch. I know like people like technically watch Twitch for like the, the people streaming games or whatever, and sometimes there's a personality that's attached to it to see somebody who is as good as they are in the ring, but to completely be, um, the, the, and, and to completely see how creative, talented, funny, witty she is on her, on her YouTube channel. Uh, it is a, it's just must watch at all times. So if you, I know we usually say subscribe to us, but I think this is definitely worth a mention to say you might want to subscribe to that channel because this is absolutely some of the best content that's out there. Um, but also, before we get into our topics for tonight, a couple of two things I want to bring up. <laughs> the first one, which I absolutely just fall, I like fell out in prepping for the show when I saw this. So, Superstar Showdown returns February 27th on the WWE Network in uh, Saudi Arabia. And no. in case there was just no surprise, already announced as Hulk Hogan, that's going to be making his return there. It's, I mean, like, at this point now, like, it doesn't get more, it, the, the money don't get more dirty than this at that point. Like, you don't even see him regularly, but then you take the cloud that already floats, floats over Saudi Arabia, the cloud that just floats over him, and he's the first person who's announced to be on that show. And I just could not believe that. But yet, also, there was really no surprise. It just, it just absolutely just <laughs> makes sense on that note. But um, the the next thing I want to talk about is, or, or quickly before we get into things, is that so last week when we got off air, I don't even know how I got there. I think I saw something online uh, quickly, but on eBay, um, Champa is running an auction titled Champa Over the Edge, which is to support. Uh, the the Give Kids the World, which is a um, nonprofit resort in Central Florida, and what he's doing is that he's running numerous auctions on eBay, all starting off at about fifty dollars. Where the winner of these auctions, depending on who you're bidding on, gets a ten minute Skype session with the NXT talent of their choice, and you're ranging from Damian Priest to Matt Riddle. Like I said, the bid start off at fifty dollars. I'm a ran for about a week. And I guess quickly, you guys, when you think about the roster of NXT, just I, like who do you think auction actually accumulated the most 
the most money. Oof. That's that's tough. The most money? Yes. Jamal, you have to answer and, last. And it don't and it's only NXT people? Only NXT. Well, there's a few exceptions, and I'll just tell you that was just just for um just to kind of throw it in the pot. Um Ivar was on there and Ivar and uh oh no, just Ivar was on there. And the only other person, oh, 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 and then um, Chelsea Green and Zach Ryder was a package, and uh, Bianca Belair and Montez Ford was a package, and Adam Cole and Britt Baker was a package. So, with that okay. being said, now she's a dentist. <laughs> I, I don't even want to talk about that, but I don't even want to. I literally just watched out of it. I don't even want to talk about that, but. Who do you guys think Austin made the most money? Maven. That's in NXT. Oh. Was Gargano and Larey a package? Let me confirm. <laughs> or were they separate? I want to say no. No, they wasn't. They weren't. Okay. Okay. So scratch that. I'm not picked yet. Someone else jump in here while I keep thinking. Uh, I, I got two guesses. I'm trying to decide which one is between Keith Lee or Finn Balor. Okay, two guesses. Cool. Those are good okay. guesses. Okay. Okay. Um, and to kind of think, couples were a package. Um, some of them all, Marina Shafir and Roger Sean was a package. Um, Casey Catazaro was not a package with Ricochet. She was actually with Caden Carter. And pretty much everybody else was single. If Balor was on there, I'm going with Balor. Okay. And I don't even... <laughs> So me and Jamal talked about it a little bit, so I don't even want to hear his answer because he may be on to something. But I'm just going to let you guys know, coming in at – oh, okay, wait, before we even get there, who do you think – how much money do you think was accumulated with a 10-day uh, – seven-day span starting off at $50? Seven-day span? Yep, starting uh, off at $50. Ten grand. Oh, come on now. eBay? I, I was <laughs> – Ten I was, grand. I was going to – I was gonna go to 200, 200 okay. grand. Two hundred grand? Yeah. We're talking about auction. Just, just to be clear, guys, I just, I just wanted to let y'all guys know this was a ten-minute Skype session with your favorite NXT talent that started off at bids for fifty dollars. So that means for starting off at fifty, whoever won the auction for seven days. Maybe y'all guys don't use eBay. I do. Um, you. You got 10 minutes with the person. So how much would you pay to, to interview or to talk to this person? I'm going to talk a little bit more about the details before we get started. But y'all saying it didn't go that high. I'm just going to just start out there. You're, you're way okay. out of the ballpark. Okay. We're talking about wrestling fans, too. They're cheap. All right. So I'll say five grand. No. Okay. I'm just going to lead y'all on because it didn't go that much. I'm just going to throw some numbers out there for you guys. So Adam Cole and Britt Baker topped off at 187. Chelsea Green and Zack Ryder, 255. Rachel Evers and Cassius Uno, $61, which is $11 over the starting price. Bianca Belair and Montez Ford is $100. Um, Jeez. Marina Shafir, I keep getting her last name right. Shafir and Roger Strong, $200. Casey Catazaro and Kaden Carter, $300. Kyle O'Reilly, $86. Deanna Peraza, $236. Matt Riddle, $142. Damian Priest, $162. Justin Main Duke, $571. Ivar, $57. Dijak, $60. Oh, man. Drake, what, how do you say his last name? The, the referee, Drake. Works. Works, $51. And Santana Garrett, $113.50. And your winner of this contest with $939, Tainara Cotty. Wow. <laughs> Tainara for just under a grand. Yeah. And also, too, I think it's worth interesting. This was for a good cause, but like, I originally thought of when I first saw this, I said, oh, that's pretty interesting. But man, you got to read the fine print in this because. This is where it got really interesting. So, again, it does go towards a, a good cause and give the kids the World Village, which is an uh, 84-acre nonprofit resort in Central Florida. All bids are closed, by the way, guys, because uh, it ended yesterday. 
Um, the winner of the auction receives a 10-minute Skype with their WWE superstar of their uh, of their of whatever auction they pick. The winner responsible the winner is responsible for having a Skype with good internet connection. The Skype call is lighthearted, PG, family-friendly conversations only. Not following the rules will forfeit the conversation. A winner will not be reimbursed. Uh, let me see. Each WWE NST superstar will give you a two days times notice between February 1st and February 28th that fits their busy schedule. Winner must choose with, between one of the two days and times. In the case of the WWE superstar, I need to reschedule the Skype call. The winner will receive two day to two time two two day times notice uh, to choose from. Failure to log in the chat at a signed time will forfeit the conversation, and the winner will not be reimbursed. Skype conversations may not be recorded by the winner. Photos and videos of the conversation may not be posted on social media. And yeah, that's pretty much it. So it was absolutely strictly for a good cause, not a, a a way to get scoops or do interviews and so forth. But look, it looks like it generated a lot of money. I mean, if you add all that up, I think that puts them a little a little under four thousand or something of 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 such. So good for them. And I think that was that was pretty interesting that they did that. And I think I still left some people off because I didn't even say Champa too. But nonetheless, I I for sure know that Ten Hour uh, was did accumulate the most money but let's get into the topics and we're just coming fresh off of the 2020 battle royal it is now in the books huh he said royal rumble he said battle royal did i say battle royal yeah Yeah, he did okay (laughs) oh we'll just scratch that i'll just edit that (laughs) royal rumble royal rumble the 2020 royal rumble is now in the books um, you know, speaking of mess ups that's been happening uh with people. Well, that's a story for another day. Um soft quick opening question about it. For the 2020 Royal Rumble, did it meet you guys' expectations? Actually, for me, it was better. Um, because and I'm gonna take just the two, you know, main Royal Rumble matches, but between the men and the women, I will rank them high. I know it's not that many women's of all time as far as what women warrior rumble matches but as far as the men's that was probably the best that i've seen in years because it was very storyline booked and i know how we have our differences on on the storyline but at first i was like man brock lesnar's gonna be in there forever um it's, it's just crazy how they're gonna let him last this long but actually the way they did it i was actually a big fan especially how it ended up um so i it it, it went beyond my expectations now they're just going to set up a good mania hopefully but um, so far as, far, as, far as this WrestleMania season, I was very impressed by the show. I could not agree more with what Silly Zealous is laying down here. Um, both of those rumbles, the women's and the men's, I was a huge fan of. I'll start with the women's since they went on first. Um, plain and simple, easily of the three women's Royal Rumbles they've done, easily the best one. And I'll go even further than that. That Women's Royal Rumble was so well laid out and so Mm -hmm. well done from beginning to end, I'd put it in the top five Royal Rumbles of all time. I thought it was was tremendous. I thought it was Mm -hmm. one of the best Royal Rumbles in years. And the moment it was done, I was like, I don't know how the heck the guys are going to follow this. And the guys, whoever laid this out was smart as could be that they made the men's Royal Rumble completely different, where it was a tale of almost, you know, part one and part two, where the first Mm -hmm. half was all about Brock and it was all about building him up, building him up, building him up until Drew showed up and kicked him out of there. And you had that at that point, everything changed and it became like almost like the Royal Rumble started then it was perfect i thought the men's one was really fun in that it was completely different from the women's people who got really bent out of shape about brock took out too many people and brock took up too much time in it i think it's you had to do it that way to make it stand out as a completely different royal rumble from what the women did i thought the two of them together were really good of the two i like the women's a little better but the men's was really strong too both of them really really strong royal rumbles in my opinion and I, I'll just I'll just quickly just a little bit of a different dynamic here. The overall Rum, Rum, Royal Rumble pay per view was super solid. Uh, the women's Royal Rumble was so good that it really not only did the guys have to like really step up um, to 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 the occasion, but just the matches. Period. Like the Lacey Evans and Bailey match, I feel like 
you know, the match was good, but the crowd was so out of it. Died because it, Yeah, mm-hmm. it just it just the excitement from that Royal Rumble just overshadowed everything. Yeah. But it is what it is. I mean, you're not gonna for the for the for the duration of people being in their seats, you're just not going to have expect energy entirely the entire time. Um, especially as long as these WWE shows are. So it is what it is. But overall, the, the the card was great. But the Royal Rumbles itself, like, I'm definitely going to just tackle this Brock thing. I know people were hating it. I was absolutely loving it. How was every part of Brock Lesnar being in that ring was absolutely amazing to me. I thought they booked it so good. And, uh, you know, now that it's kind of gotten out, who was in charge and booking the Royal Rumble? It does make sense. There was a lot of there was a lot of brain power behind the the, the development of uh, the booking of the guys Royal Rumble, and I absolutely enjoyed it on all means. And it set up so much to begin the start of WrestleMania uh, season that it's incredible that people can be sitting around saying like, "Oh well." I hated it. Worst ever. We'll get to that in a second. Or people just complaining about people's positions in it. And just, I don't, I don't know. Like there was just a lot of good for people to really be nitpicking the bad, but Hey, it's wrestling fans. Of course they're going to find something. They're going to find something, make something negative out of it. But I think the next question and just for shits and giggles here is that when you consider what the Royal Rumble matches are, who do you think got snubbed? And like, do you think they put the right people in to win? Now, when I say win, I mean obviously, yes, just the winners of the Royal Rumble, period. But do you think they got people in the right position to win as far as positioning them into storylines we can invest in? So, for instance, and and, and Will, you've been very adamant and vocal about this. Mm-hmm. And that's about Roman Reigns' position in the Royal Rumble. He didn't mm-hmm. win it, but he right. damn sure won. He oh, damn yeah. sure won. He did exactly what he needed to do in there, and it just made sense. And Edge, too, didn't win, but absolutely won in regards to what he had to accomplish in the ring. So with that being said, who do you think actually got snubbed as far as either just the ramifications of them just not winning the Rumble, or they just did not get that booking right for them? Yeah, the- there's a lot of people who were made to look really strong, and a lot of people, frankly, I think you just mentioned two of them, Edge and Roman Reigns, who they didn't need to win the Royal Rumble. They didn't They didn't need to win. They're not going to gain anything from winning it. They are made guys. They are names. They are now on the road to WrestleMania, and heck, we know what Edge is doing at this point after Raw the next night. It's Neither one of them needed it. That was perfectly fine. So let's address the elephant in the room, Drew McIntyre. <laughs> They went with Drew, which I think is a bit of a surprise. I mean, they were definitely building him up for it in the month leading up to it. But heck, before Christmas, Drew wasn't really on the radar in any kind of significant way. So they have gone very fast, very quick with Drew McIntyre. And I'll give him credit. They went all the way with having him knock out Brock Lesnar, having him win the whole thing making sure he did not have anything to do with Edge getting taken out of there. They made sure Roman Reigns took that heat. So they shined Drew up as much as they possibly could. Here's my question. Is it actually going to work, though? My big concern right now with Drew McIntyre is we got two months. We have two months that they have to maintain him before WrestleMania. And Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if that's necessarily going to happen or not. Now... If it works, it works. But I, right now, I, I am not sold on Drew mm-hmm. McIntyre as the next <clears throat> big thing or whatever you might necessarily wa- want to call him. I think the as far as anyone getting snubbed, there's not a lot of people I can think of that I can mm-hmm. think like just totally, you know, got screwed over. A lot of people have mentioned Matt Riddle, his little very quick in and out there and not being any in there at all when R- Brock Lesnar was in there. But in the in the Royal Rumble... There's a lot of people who just, you know, everyone can't have like a big spotlight moment in there. Mm-hmm. 30 people in there. Some people, their role is just to be a body and come in and mm-hmm. go out. Mm-hmm. And Riddle, first appearance in it, that's kind of what happened this year to him. But hey, look, what happened to him Wednesday night? He won the Dusty Classic. So mm-hmm. it's not like he's not doing anything. 
but his Rumble appearance, there wasn't much to it. That's the name I think I've heard brought up the most that there should have been more done with Matt Riddle. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. More, more was done with him on Wednesday. So your Rumble match isn't always necessarily going to be, you know, your big moment. Yeah. And you know what? People are so conditioned to the Rumble being the exact same thing each and every year. So when Kofi came out, you'd say spot monkey. Also, John, um, John Morrison coming out. You're like, oh, potentially before Kofi, there was this guy that was doing that. And so you had a you had an idea that you knew they were going to come out. And they were going to do something crazy. And the fact that they did the book, they booked Brock the way he did. It was like, yeah, and squash all of that. Made Brock LeSean also put nuclear heat on him for the time he was in there, which ultimately paid off by the complete resolution of Drew McIntyre getting over doing the rumble and ultimately winning it. So for me, I think I think this. If I say snubbed. I just go way off the limb here. I will absolutely say Braun Strowman because they mm. put so much emphasis on how dominant he was before. Um, he didn't look quite dominant this time, but he did what he had to do because the key, the 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 whole uh, the, the working with Keith Lee uh, was a really good rub for the both of them. So he did what he had to do there, but ultimately Braun Strowman himself, I think people are still sort of waiting for him to really get his title opportunity and obviously the Royal Rumble is a big uh is a big platform for him to do so but it didn't work that way at all so I will say that Braun still feels like the maybe they could have did a little bit more with it but at the same time too you know again what he did with Keith Lee I think is a is a good payoff and good that Keith Lee was able able to make it in there because he got way over Really, really quick in a in a period of time that he was in there, and um, kudos to Brock just working that first part of that Royal Rumble because even the rub that Brock gave Keith Lee made Keith Lee look really, really good. So I'm definitely cool with that. Um, I got. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm about to say I got one biggest snub that you both are missing, and here's my snub. Now, hear me out. The <laughs> biggest snub of the whole 2020 Royal Rumble was Mr. Kennedy. And because <laughs> oh, no. MVP, if MVP could come back and be at that Royal Rumble, Mr. <laughs> Kennedy could too. Because back in the early to mid-2000s, MVP and Mr. Kennedy were probably two of the best mid-cards. And Kennedy still didn't get his fair chance to cash in his money in the bank. Yes, I'm holding this hostage from WrestleMania 23. <laughs> and I think he is the biggest snub of all time to be in this Royal Rumble only because Mr. Um, excuse me, MVP was in there. So I digress. Fear, fear not. April 3rd, uh, Ken Anderson returns to it, uh, TNA for There's No Place Like Home. So he's not completely off the books. He's oh, he was there. announced. He was announced. Okay. I didn't know if he was going to be announced yet or not. But I know Petey Williams. Yeah, he, he's, he's, he's back on that TNA show that they're going to be running soon. So okay, I'll watch don't, don't fear now. You can get your daily dose of of uh, Ken, Ken, Ken Anderson very, very soon. Maybe Thank next you. year will be Mr. Kennedy's year to get the MVP <laughs> slot in the Rumble. I hope so. I hope so. Uh, yeah, but I, I overall, I thought it was really good. And I know like a lot of people like Shayna should have won. I, I know people love Shayna. I really, really, really do. I don't feel like her not winning was any bit of uh any bit of like a speed bump and 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 her shine or just her, her stardom it didn't make think her, it, made it, it didn't make her look any less strong yeah but it, you, I don't her, think it made it her and bianca both got to look ridiculously good in the women's rumble and i i looked at it like this with the idea of putting charlotte over is if you give shana the win then, then you do, she's won the Royal Rumble. You got that already. She's done that. You're saving that card for down the road. The next, maybe next year Shayna wins it or something. It's like once someone wins the Royal Rumble for the first time, they've won the Royal Rumble for the first time. So I don't think I think Shayna just debuting, looking dominant. That's more than enough for a first time spot in there. And who knows how she figures in to the mania plans. And yep. and at this point, we don't know exactly what Charlotte's plans are going to be. They're they're dangling that carrot of which direction is Charlotte going to yeah. go. So, and there's of course all kinds of rumors about that. So, I think once we know that, then we're going to figure out what Shayna's up to. So, yeah. there, that's it. Like, like like we just mentioned with Drew McIntyre. There is 2 months of stuff we have to work through before we get to mania. So, there is a lot of 
cards to play. There's a lot of things to figure out. Everything doesn't get figured out at the Royal Rumble. It's just the first step on the journey. And and, I'll, I'll, and this will be the closing remarks on this topic. I will say this is that when you think about WrestleMania, you think about the main events. Now, when you say main event now, it doesn't mean that they're going to close out the show. It just means that they will no. be within a, the last three matches of the, the show. True. Maybe Drew not McIntyre. Shoot, yeah, mate. Right. Seth opened the show last year. You're right. You're right. And I think that the biggest thing with Drew is that Drew isn't really the draw for WrestleMania. I am 100% behind Drew and what he did as far as leaving WWE, you know, figuring himself out on the indies, coming back looking better than ever to get into this point. Just like, um, just like, uh, 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 uh what's his name? From that, who else was in 3MB? Uh, I don't know why I can't think of his name right now. Jinder Mahal, Jinder Mahal, thank you. Having to really take that time off to really repackage himself to really come back living better than ever. However, that story is good and all for a wrestling fan. That's not a draw for a WrestleMania uh main event. With that being said, considering who the titles are on now, Drew and Brock probably will sell, probably can step outside of the, the wrestling. Uh, the wrestling niche of fans to try to bring other people in, but Bray, if if he does have, oh, he already charged, he already challenged Brock, so it is Brock. So, is that a big enough draw for for them to really say like that's going to be the closing match? Probably not. So, what I'm saying is that this Drew winning is a WWE thing. Charlotte transcends past and outside of WWE, which you expect for that to be a bigger, high profile match, um, something of the likes of Ronda Rousey or somebody else coming in. So. Expect more focus on Drew to just be able to really develop himself to becoming a bigger star than what he is to kind of help sell that match. Um, he does have a lot of work, like you said, to get to that point. But Charlotte is fine. That's the safe, easy bet and answer why it couldn't have been Shayna because you couldn't have two of the same people doing the same thing. As far as like, we got to make sure we keep these people protected and keep them relevant for this period of time. And I, I don't think that's something that WWE could have did simultaneously. However, uh, Charlotte's name just carries weight to it no matter what. And it just makes sense that she had to, her, she had to be one of the pieces of the puzzle going into WrestleMania. But let's get into our next topic now. Now, this is something I was not totally aware of. And Damien just joined the show, so he'll be jumping in on this topic now. Um, I, okay, so last week with NWA, and I mean, we've been putting a lot of focus on the, the rating system as far as with uh, AEW and NXT. So last week on NWA's uh, episode 15, their homegoing show be, be, uh, before their last pay-per-view, which was uh, really good now that I think about it, um, that a lot of people I don't think he's given enough credit for. Definitely some good quality matches coming out of there. They actually took their homegoing show and they actually went an extra 30 minutes. So do you think that, you know, when it comes down to uh, really wrapping up the homegoing show and making sure that everything leads into it really fluently, do you think that this is uh, something that we should probably get more often from other promotions such as AEW NXT for these special occasions to run a little bit longer so that they can just get this right. And I think, and I, and the reason why originally looking at this tie, I wasn't totally sure, but now, now really like putting thought into this, I really love this idea because as I seen in AW last week, how things just went right off because of the time period uh, that they kind of kind of abide to. And it made things feel a little bit off. Sometimes this extra little bit of time is really needed to make sure that like, again, Things just go really fluently into it. But for you guys to get in there and give your thoughts, do you think that there's something that other promotions should adapt? Just giving that extra bit of time for these special occasions to make sure that uh, the, that the, the job can be done, the story can be told. Well, the short answer is yes. I mean, this is the show before the pay-per-view. Uh, you want people to buy the pay-per-view, and this is the thing that you're selling to them. So... For NWA to go an extra half hour, you know, is great because they don't have these time constraints because it's YouTube. But also, and more importantly than that, is that it's extra content. So not only are, is it like an exciting thing, we, we don't know how long the show is going to go. We're wa we're watching it as it premieres live, and the next thing you know, it's an extra hour and a half of an extra a half hour rather of content. So 
your ratings be damned because uh, NXT follows behind it like a movie, um, whatever the movie of the week is. I mean, I'm not NXT, I'm sorry, but uh, AEW follows, precedes a movie. Uh, mm-hmm. NXT precedes uh, the Miz and Maurice uh, show. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the question is, can they? Um, who knows? But AEW has always felt rushed to me. So because of that, if they could take five minutes, 10 minutes, hell, 20 minutes, uh, you know, just, and just to let a story play out. When you book a match that's a championship match with TV time remaining, well, now you're, it's just a matter of watching the clock. I know, well, if the show ends at 10, then we're either going to get a draw, which they've done before, or a quick last-second uh, pinfall. And that kind of takes a little bit out of the uh, surprise of the match. But if they're like, no, the hell with it. This match is scheduled for an hour. And if they want to go an hour, then damn it, you know, book the match at 9.30 and it'll go to 10.30. But that would be a, a surprise. That would be unprecedented. And what does TNT have to lose other than a rerun of Independence Day? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, That's do you I- really need the show, you know... Uh, the equalizer that bad? Uh. So they wouldn't do it to the NBA. Uh, TNT wouldn't. If the game went into six overtimes, then damn it, we'll be here to two in the morning. Mm-hmm. But with AEW, 10 o'clock is 10 o'clock, and I get it. But for these special occasions, as especially since the pay-per-views are once a quarter, essentially once a quarter, it would be extra special to take that extra 15 minutes to fully flush out a story or a, 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 the last angle before you go off to the pay-per-view. I'm going to piggyback off Jamal and just say that, yes, there there needs to be a little bit more of a runoff for those go-home shows before major pay-per-views. But also, if you're leading toward a pay-per-view that's not even here yet, for instance, this past Monday, where uh, Raw had a small runover to finish to flesh out properly the Randy Orton and Edge angle, uh, which they already had pre-approved from USA, to kind of entice and, and make that angle a little bit more juicier, meteor, meteor to carry over. And I know WCW Nitro used to do this back in the day, especially when they followed up with some whatever cruddy Hulk Hogan drama he was trying to get off the ground. Uh, they would have like a 15-minute runover in order to, to flesh out the new NWA beatdown for that week, NWO beatdown for that week. So it's easy for easier for NWA to do that because their content is streaming and not kind of restricted by, by USA or, or, or TNT. But in those cases, Jamal's right. You know, try to work something out with the networks. Say, hey, we'll kick in an extra, I don't know, half a mil just to, just to get some extra time in at most. Just, just so you could have those angles be a little bit more pomp and circumstance by the time the... Uh, by the time the pay-per-view rolls around. For instance, Survivor Series 2019, when Becky, before Becky got her nose bloodied, there was a small runoff for that. And then that was the, the go-home show. And people wanted to see, before they found out Becky wasn't going to be wrestling, uh, at, I, I don't know if it was 2019 or 2018, but that there, for me, was something worth tuning in an extra, uh, an extra 15 minutes for, and thus it made you excited for the pay-per-view. So if they can do something like that, occasionally for the big four or big five, if you count money in the bank, fine. You don't need it for in-your-house TLC, you know, or something like that. That's that's small potatoes. But if it's something, a big pay-per-view like Mania, Survivor Series, Rumble, cool. I, I wish more promotions would do that that have television access, even Impact. Here's my thinking on it. And we've kind of touched on this with um when we were talking about WrestleMania being two days possibly. I think the my thinking with that is kind of my thinking with this. If you have the right content that you're trying to put out there, if you have the right story that you're trying to tell, if you have the right moment that you're trying to get over, then I'm all for it. But it needs to be the right thing. Like this week on Raw, Edge's return and that big angled Randy Orton that you wanted to let breathe and let them have that significance of Orton standing over him and being torn about what's he going to do and then having the moments afterwards where he's like, oh my God, I really did it and all this and Edge twitching on the mat. That worked. 
And then on NWA, if you're doing like a really, if you're doing heck, this promo they did this week, this week's episode didn't go long. But if you have not seen this week's NWA Power with Aldis and Marty Skrull just sitting across from each other next to a ring for 10 minutes, setting up their next match, you need to see it. It is absolutely amazing. And if they needed to go long for that, that's the right kind of content you go wrong for because it's just intense it's unique it's something different if you're just going long because oh hey we have a match that you know it's a match whatever if you have the right thing though then stick with it absolutely but it should be the right thing and it should be for the right show i totally agree you don't need to do it all the time it doesn't need to be every darn pay-per-view but like yeah for your big shows with the right angle with the right people involved absolutely there should be some leeway involved but it needs to be the right situation i think I, I'm just going to say Last quickly that with any other show, when it's a season premiere or season finale, it's understood that those are special occasions that they have run over time. It should be, as all you guys have said, any special occasions of their big five, go-home pay-per-views, whatever they identify as these special moments, that they should have cooperation with their networks and say... We have extra story. We know we have to tell. And not even just because the potential that they can't keep it in the time frame. But if you ask me, when you're in overtime, the, 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 the dramatics are even more amplified than ever. Just because you know this is a special moment. And there's nothing more special than when you go to run overtime, extra play, extra innings, overtime. So I think when you have these special moments that you could create, simple stuff as that can get fans overly invested because nothing, nothing is more worse than the middle of, this is probably not even a good example, but nothing's worse than Britt Baker saying that she's a dentist and they completely cut it off because they got to go to commercial. Not that that was a big moment, but because of how badly that was done, that is the same ramifications that some promotions do when it's that 10 o'clock hour, 11 o'clock hour, whatever it has to be. And it's time to cut off. You are well, completely you, in the middle you know of the this, segment, that, and this is off. Well, because you know networks have a hard a hard out, you know, in, in broadcasting. So there's a certain hours where no matter what, there is no runover. You have to leave the air for promotions or for advertisements, no matter what. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we 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 un- we understand that. That's 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 well, more for people, other people too who don't know the hard out. Like oh, yeah, I didn't shoot, shoot, finish. Shoot. Last night it was really clear NXT had to be off by 10 o'clock for that Miz and Mrs. premiere. They were out of there right at 9.59. They, you, you could tell they were under orders last night to get the right. show off the air. And, and, then, and then, like I said, on, on, on retrospect, when they know they need, that, uh, that they need that extra time, it should be an understanding like, hey, this is after this. We know we have to make the draw the dynamics, uh, the, the dramatics for this. And it should be done. So, like, basically, to, to the simple basic question is that for these special occasions, so they run... So, uh, should they run extra time? And they, like Jamal said, the simple answer is yes. And I think it should be done with a consciousness of knowing that these are the identified times that we have to do it. And they really should eye in and nail them at all given times. Marcellus, you had something to say before, right? Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say real quickly, like when you talk about these big shows, you know, you got to think the biggest way you can build more is if you leave a little bit extra cliffhanger. Like, for example... Um, if you think about great TV series that right before they're about to go to their mid-season finale, sometimes it may go a little bit over than a traditional hour or half hour because they want to lead in just a little bit of extra information just to get you to want more. And that's what WWE should do for these bigger shows. And once again, I understand how TV has the heart out and everything, but you got to think of it. When you have the last go-home or home-going show before the big pay-per-view, it has to be a cliffhanger of some type, and sometimes that goes over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I just want to. I just want to move forward just a little bit. Will brought up Marty Scroll. I mean, is this guy the savior right now for these other promotions that's just been kind of floating under AEW and the WWE brand? Because Marty Scroll working between NWA, ROH, and New Japan, I feel like. What do you mean by savior? Because right now. I feel like he is really a person of interest for the for the draw that he creates. This Nick Aldis and Marty Scroll thing, 
is super, super intense and good. I mean, I'm more invested in this right now than I am when when Cody was doing it with with uh with Nick Aldis. And the fact that he's able to do that, booking himself into ROH, Aldis into ROH, and then still working New Japan, this guy's bridging the three of them together right now and creating storylines amongst all of them. I don't think there's enough know, credit. But, but you use the word savior though. As as if he's the difference between them uh, going under and not, mm-hmm. and I don't think that's apt when it comes to NWA and fair, uh, New fair Japan. Point. Okay, fair point for terminology wise. Yes, yeah, but yeah, not for not for ROH. That's a, that's a very that, that's why I didn't statement. say them. Yeah, that's an accurate statement. But yeah, I feel like he is creating a a really good buzz between the three of them and potentially uh, the bridge that's connecting. The three of them. I think we may need more discussions about this as we see this develop a little bit more, um, especially as they head into uh, the Crockett Cup, uh, which is going to be in April. And um, and a lot of the things that ROH has got coming up uh, within the next month. So uh, definitely think we need to revisit Marty Scroll and what he's doing. I think right now is a good time for people to pay attention to what's happening. So. Let's get into our last and really significant t- uh, title um, topic for tonight. And I know we kind of talked about this, but I-, I think for our beginning and initial conversations about it, I think this is a very good point and, and it's really uh, because of what happened too. I think it's definitely uh, a really good topic to, to kind of bring back to the forefront again. So, the Jericho cruise, as we know, just happened. And during that cruise, we did get to see some of the show on um, TNT on Dynamite. However, there was a major match that did not appear. And it was an intergender match between um, Kenny Omega and Rio versus Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford. Ladies and gentlemen, yes, that is an intergender match. and I mean, an intergender tag match. And it did not air it. So, Quickly for you guys, I I, I want to know, and, and just because I want to kind of bring up, bring back up some of the conversation from from before, in case anybody hasn't heard our last episode about it, not our last one, but a previous episode of it. What do you guys think is the ramifications of a major wrestling company airing an intergender match as such, and uh, and. Because they haven't aired it, should they air it? So let's let's get some thoughts on that and kind of spin off on a couple other things I want to talk about it. But go ahead, fellas, jump in here. So I'm gonna be real simple about it in terms of no. <laughs> there I don't I don't think there's any ramifications if the sponsors are saying, Hey, don't air this, then you don't air it. But if you wanna be a rogue and say you know what, bonk what Pepsi wants or bonk what Cheetos wants. I'm going to air this anyway just to get some buzz on, on social media and, and other platforms. Then you then that's something you, you want to do as a business. That's on you. But we're talking about millions of dollars here. And, and you know, we'll use the phrase money talks and BS walks. And as much as we, the wrestling fan, want to see intergender wrestling on our television screens, for the vast majority of us, I won't say all of us, the corporate funders and the corporate sponsors who don't get wrestling, who mm-hmm. don't get it, air quotes, they're not going to see it the way we do. They're going to see it as potentially, hey, some boy at school may try to pile drive a random girl because he saw it on Dynamite or on WWE. Because back in the day in the Attitude Era, you had boys powerbombing girls in schoolyards. Maybe they don't want to do that again. So I, I how I'm going to say it is, I don't think there's any ramifications unless someone goes rogue and does it anyway and, and shows the match without anyone's consent. <laughs> that, that, that really kind of comes down to it. It's like if you're willing to pay the price of not worrying about sponsors, not worrying about advertisers who might not be happy with it and just being like if you're someone like Tony Khan – who has a big checkbook and might want to be like, hey, I'll, I'm willing to take the hit and air something like this, then maybe you can do that. 
Of course, also, he's got to worry about TNT. Heck, WWE's got to worry about USA and Fox and all that. So it, it's more than just your advertisers. It's also the network that you're on, unless, you know, you were to do something on one of your own shows on pay-per-view or on, you know, WWE Network, something like that. Um, yeah, it, if someone wants to do it that route, they, they, they could. I think it's very, very unlikely. because I think all these companies are very, very cognizant of... They don't want to upset their advertisers, and I think it would not be that ridiculous to have something come of it where it could quickly turn into a news story, where it would just, you know, people just aren't going to get it, and be like, oh, that, that man's beating up that woman. Why is this on TV? And it's like, th- the explanation ain't going to be there, you know? The, the explanation that works for us isn't going to work outside the bubble and can easily be twisted in ways that, you know, the general public will take it completely differently than what it is. You know, they, we, we've, we've, we've seen these kind of things and how they can be twisted and manipulated. And so I don't expect it to happen unless someone's got like a real, real interest in like being like, okay, we, I think like, like, like Damien just said in a social media aspect where it's like, I want to do this to get a whole bunch of attention, a whole bunch of attention. So he makes some kind of social media splash in some manner, but I can't see WWE or AEW touching it any any time in the remote future with as long as TNT and like NBC and Fox are involved in their products. That's my thought. So I think all of you are, for lack of a better word, wrong. And I think that we are close or closer than we've ever been before as far as seeing women's uh, energy into wrestling on mainstream television. And I say this because AEW has tried thrown a lot at the wall and some stuff has stuck and some stuff hasn't and we've seen it with everything that hasn't stuck and they've repackaged it regifted it and for you know for better or worse it's more than likely come out better the first thing that they did when they tested uh, a company that wasn't that was outside of the purview of WWE and then we got all out and they said, okay, well, these tickets sold out quickly and we can, there's general interest. Okay, cool. Now, some pay-per-views later, we get AEW as a brand. Okay, cool. Then some pay-per-views later, we get Dynamite as a TV show. And now, without any um, acknowledgement publicly, this this thing does happen as a, as a match on the cruise. So it's not that they are afraid to do it. The talent are willing. And the talent, luckily, are running most of the things uh, corporately. They just need to bridge the gap between the boardroom and the ring. And I think because because of the elite, because of Cody, uh, because of Kenny, especially Kenny, um, speaking up and having those voices to, to kind of say to the, to the suits, like, no, we know what we're doing and we know what our fans want. And you look at everything that hasn't worked for AEW. In some way, they have tweaked it. Not necessarily caved to the trolls of the internet, but they have tweaked it. They have given us something to cheer about. The Dark Order, for example, was dead in the water. They repackaged it, and now I'm genuinely interested in it, especially as other things are developing behind the scenes. Uh, what's the what's her face? Uh, Britt Baker. Great peel promo uh, last night on Dynamite, which he was also <laughs> dead in the water. Um, Allie has been given something to do with the Butcher and the Blade. Penelope Ford definitely has something to do, other than that horrible uh, f- uh, four-way match on the first episode of AEW. <laughs> oh, so the fact you remember. So that. the bottom. So the bottom line is, is that they have tried things and they have done some things that are risky. They could have played it safe. Kenny didn't have to bring these Japanese women in here to an uh, to an American audience. They're not blonde or tall. <laughs> Rio's 87 pounds, soaking wet, carrying a 20-pound bag of rice. Yet she's the champion. And over until she decides to turn into Brock Lesnar. So the bottom line is is that if there's a path to intergender being introduced into mainstream television, I do believe that the AEW guys are starting on that path. And I think it's coming. Now, does that mean that we're going to have a Priscilla Kelly spot uh, heard around the world? No, absolutely not. But I think if it's packaged that way, if it's packaged in a way that's palatable, 
yeah. they could sell water to the ocean. No, you're you're I, I'm with you on this one. When you say coming, I think that potentially we could be on the verge of intergender wrestling boom on the mainstream audience. I am surprised no one has brought up impact yet because Ooh. you talk about a main you talk about a main promotion introducing it, Tessa Blancer and her impact title win uh clearly was one of the one of the many introductions that's out there. I besides you know the stuff with her personally. I think her win has really settled okay. Matter of fact, she has a match coming up with uh, Ace Austin, uh, who is uh, you know their X division champion. So they're they're putting their they're putting their foot to the gas here, and they and they're gonna go with it. So and it doesn't seem to have any controversy or fallback from it. Of course, WWE is probably going to still stay away from it, but I think that you know with Impact doing it. And a A W sprinkling it, I think that we're absolutely are on the way. Now, here's the other thing about it. So to so to the question itself, should they air it? No, because it's old now. But if they had a way of generating an AEW dark, I'm, I forget how. I guess it would have aired this week on AEW dark. They should have just did it because it was just, they 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 were. I seemed to it seemed to be that they were going back and forth about it. The mm-hmm. shit just released it on AEW Dark because it was good content, period. I mean, put it this way. R- Rio and Kenny in a match together, and because of their history, I think fans want to see it just for that period. And on top of that, I don't think that AEW has stared away from wanting to do this because Kenny Omega has been very adamant about wanting to do this. But this match made sense. So that's why I think, like, Maybe the stars had to align just a little bit for this type of predicament for it to be an intergender tag match for it to happen instead of it just being, you know, forced at a like at a point of saying, like, well, we're going to do this, you know, but this one just made sense. And AEW, for what it's worth, have really built the model of saying that they want to break down barriers and doing different things, employing different people, the contracts, standpoints, and all that other good stuff. Um, so why would why would they be opposed to this? I don't even think they can look at the idea of this being controversial and saying, well, we don't know. I think they have to say, well, does it make sense on the story that we're telling and then do it that way? So I think at some point they're definitely going to move forward with it. By the way, wrestling is wrestling. And if an adult <coughs> doesn't understand what wrestling is, then that's one thing. But it is up to the promotion to tell the story so that it makes sense, that it does remind everybody that this is not... Uh, MMA and this is not boxing. This is wrestling, and it has it's it's it's, it's all storytelling and the theatrics and all that other stuff. So this is it, it's 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 not on the street domestic violence or whatever else other people may think about. It. It's none of that. Well, but, for us, yes, I agree with you. No, but, but see, we get that because we're educated. It's for the promotion to explain the storytelling. And what we talked again, and I wish I knew what episode exactly was. It's for the promotion to tell the story of why it's being done, so that the person who isn't educated like us, who hasn't put in the reps to try to gain this knowledge, that can come blindly and say, "Whoa!" They first thing they're gonna say is like, "Whoa, what the hell?" Then they're gonna be like, "Oh, I see. Okay, cool. So she's been, you know, she she's being built or she's being, you know, built up to this point that." You know, she's already beat these competitors, so this is why she can do this. Or this is, you know, whatever it may be. That mm-hmm. It's their job to do that. This is the time that they have on television to be able to do that. You mean and, from a kayfabe perspective? Of course. Right. Okay, of not course. from like a press release or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Okay, so then, really, really quickly, you mentioned Impact, and we talked about them kind of being the island of misfit wrestler toys, where they're just... They're willing to take that risk, as we, you know, saw when Tessa won the belt in the first place. So, I, I, we, I know we left them out the conversation. They probably are the best ones to do that to try it first on a yep. on a regular circulating, agree. episodic television show because they're literally saying, "Well, our, our our top female in the promotion just won our world championship. Have at it!" And now we're going to see mm-hmm. what happens after that. I think they're the right. perfect persons to do that. But to your other point, when we say, hey, the, uh, the promotion is the one that's responsible for it, I get that when they're building up that storyline and such. But we always talk about how we're the educated fan base 
but there is still that minority, that two it to three percent, that is the it's still real to me, damn it, who can't separate the fantasy from reality, and and they prote- carry the big money too. Exactly, and there's potential lawsuits, and I know we're thinking worst case scenario, but you have to have all those variables on the table just in case. Absolutely, but it's their job to be able to. Again, they need they they are the promotion. The companies are paid the big dollars or generate the big dollars to be able to, to to do the job to tell the right story. You know what's funny about this, and I'm just gonna quickly wrap this up. Stephen A. Smith, as I post on my Facebook, <laughs> as you saw, Damien. <laughs> Claims to be one of the most educated analysts out there, whatever it may be. And he completely bashed Donald Donald Cowboy Cerrone and his Conor McGregor fight about, one, how we learned nothing about uh, about Conor McGregor and how Cerrone shouldn't have been in there. That's when you, that's, it's, no matter what, no matter all that money that UFC put out there trying to educate people, even the smartest people can look at a situation and say, that doesn't make sense. So it's always is going to be that job. It's always going to be those type of people. But yet, for the uncasual fans that don't watch it, such as you, Damien, you were able to go in there and look at the video and say, oh, that makes sense, how he's drastically wrong. I see what was happening there. And you and it clicked just like that. So WWE, whoever it may be, AEW is the person of interest here, could do it, and they should do it. And it just takes the right amount of storytelling AW Dart is a great platform from the start with, so they got all the time and creative in the world to do it and just push forward with it. If you want to get a, a test sample of, of, of what, the, what the audience response was, there's no better place than YouTube because that the, the, the fans and the people on there are ferocious and they'll do, be absolutely honest about what they think about something. So if, if it's TNT, idea to figure out what's the response to it, then just do it on there and, and see what happens. But like I was going to say, and then I wrap this up. Let's not forget, based on last night's episode, Penelope Ford definitely gave her and Karana to um, who did they face? I forgot that quick. Who did they face in that match last night? She gave her and Karana to some male wrestler. Uh, Kenny. Kenny. Okay, right to Kenny Omega. Intergender wrestling just wasn't a match, but she it did it spot. to him. Right, and I thought about Zelina Vega all the time. She's done it, yeah. and I. It's a spot. It's not a full yeah. match. Right, right, and, right. And it's and it's also this. In my mind, the issue, the 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 the, diff, the the breaking point is always this, where it becomes a different thing. If it's a woman doing a spot to a man, that is completely oh, different than a man over. doing a spot to a woman. Then they need to. Then, then they need to. They need. That's part of the work that they need to put on because wrestling is wrestling. That's what. That's why I full heartedly disagree. If a person doesn't move on a person, that's just a wrestling move. It shouldn't be like, well, it's more severe because that person did it or it's less executed or it's less to perfection, whatever it may be, because a woman did it to a guy or a guy did it to a man. At this point, it's just wrestling. Period. It, 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 it seems, yeah, I would agree with you. It's just wrestling. But still, when you think about the surface of men versus women and as far as physical acts to each other, still comes down to that. doesn't imply that it's because it's wrestling. It, it as long as I get... As long as I get Riho versus Jimmy Havoc, I don't care what has to happen. I'm just I'm just gonna put it this here. If you think Oscar giving you a kick outside of I don't know, Ricochet, which one of those do you think are <laughs> is the better executor of just some low ankle or low? You mean from a visual standpoint? Oscar. No, this period. This period. Mm. Well, I've never been kicked by either of them, so I wouldn't know. But <laughs> but there's a there's a perception, as you guys have just alluded to. You just said if a woman did it to a, a, a guy, then the perception of it is deemed as this. So if Oscar is to kick you outside of, or was to kick another person outside of Ricochet, which one of those do you think are more fierce? Oscar. Why? Because what? Because she's more proficient in strikes, and if you're a wrestling fan, that, that's all that matters. Background, that's all that bad. That is the storytelling right there. Well, we're talking about us again. We're we're bringing it back to us, the, yeah. the knowledgeable fan. We're not talking about Joe Schmo over there that doesn't know it's pre predetermined. Absolutely, and that's again to my main point is that the the wrestling promotions or whoever they just got to tell the story about it. Anyway, that is my last point about it. Quickly, as we're running really short on our time, fellas, is there anything else we need to cover really quick? Not on my end. So the presidents of WWE stepped down and their stock dropped 20%. All that. Oops. Yeah, oops. 
which which is weird because you know there's no really word why and uh, Vince had a statement saying you know thank you for your service and good luck in your future endeavors. Um, but I do think that it's going to be an interesting time since the XFL starts within a week and a half or so, mm-hmm. um, like the week after the, the um, you know week, college week football. from Saturday. Yeah, uh, yeah, right. So it's coming, and that's another thing for Vince to do. Uh, he needs you know kind of like a, a chief of staff, which is what the president of the company did, and they're gone. So it'd be interesting to see how that develops on on that end and how that trickles down to the actual product. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about how WWE is making money hand over fist and how they really have secured all these deals. And now it's like they're two people at the top right under Vince McMahon have stepped aside. Why? Mm-hmm. So. Just wondering if when people leave, do they actually take their stock, uh, part of their stock within the company with them? Does it work like that? Uh, that depends on your severance package. That also yeah. depends, depends on, on the, the deal. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. potentially that could be the reason why I have to drop, t- technically? Uh, no. No, we're that, talking about the, the, the price no. it's trading at. Is what yeah, the, the price is trading at dropped 20%. Uh, yeah. Okay, uh, okay. So people are divesting from it. And yeah. that's, yeah. And that's be, because of the fact that they To be fair, though, that would be expected, yeah. though. If you, know, you have major executives like that, unannounced, unexpectedly, suddenly leave... You're you, that's gonna happen. That yeah. that yeah, that's in, instability will screw your stock. Yeah, period. And and yeah. and also to be fair, I I'd, I'd say this: I would not be surprised if tomorrow there's a rush on buying up WWE stock because the <laughs> went down so damn quick. So him <laughs> they might have a very interesting Friday with a uh, coming out of uh this Thursday. But yeah, what one thing I can add to this is um we are a week away as we record this. We're recording this on Thursday the thirtieth. Next Thursday is the next quarterly um, earnings report from WWE. So that's kind of the big elephant in the room is like, ooh, is the next earnings report going to be like really uh, different from what it normally is? And that's why these guys got the axe or Mm. so we'll know in a week. And I'm sure Vince will speak uh, on it in a week as to what exactly is going on. But yeah, coming one week away and then also coupled with the XFL launch, I thought the timing of this. I think is very interesting. And I think we're going to know a lot more very quickly on what exactly is going on there. Mm-hmm. I saw, I saw the press release Vince uh, sent out regarding it. And it's a lot of corporate jargon that makes mm-hmm. it seem like they were forced out uh, just because of, you know, when they say, Oh, there was a disagreement in the way that X should be run or Y should be run. Yeah. It's Future more, plans. <laughs> you know, it's more one of those, I don't like the way you're managing things, so I'm going to step in and say the board did it. So it's a lot of corporate jargon in, in, in his statement. So I wouldn't be surprised if they were just forced out for whatever reason. Mm. Well, I would close the show here, but I think I'm going to throw it back at Will so he can have Uh-oh. this last closing remarks and just <laughs> take us in for the night. But uh, so Will, <laughs> what are you throwing at me here? Your your reaction to Alvarez and the boys saying this was the worst Royal Rumble ever. I'll need to hear your thoughts verbally, and then you can wrap this up. <laughs> I, pretty, I pretty much gave my thoughts on the Royal Rumble at the beginning of the show, especially the women's. I thought by far the women's one was the best of the three women's ones they had, and I honestly think it was no, one of the best Royal no, Rumble. Don't all take time. the noble route here, Mr. Mr. Twitter figures. <laughs> what is your thoughts of the reaction of them saying this was the worst reverse Rumble ever? That's absolutely ridiculous. We know that's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous statements. Think of all the damn crappy Royal Rumbles there's been over the year. Hell, Vince won the Royal Rumble that one. They're going to say it's the worst Royal Rumble. I had them, both of those Rumbles, I had a ton of fun watching, but the women specifically, I was, oh, I loved the women's Royal Rumble this year. I, like I said, I stand by, I think it was one of the best Royal Rumbles of all time. <laughs> Easily. Take, take, Easily. Take. Take us home, man. Wrap the show up. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, it's been another week with the Big Gold Belt Wrestling Podcast. Nice. We will be back next week with another show. Uh, we have anything else we have to touch on here? Like I mentioned, I'm, I'm going to pr- press it again one more time. If you have not seen the Nick Aldis and Marty Skrull promo from this week's NWA Power, you can see the whole episode or it's also up on Twitter. They have like the separate clips of it. It's Tremendous promo work from both of them. It very well could be the best promo we see all year. 
setting up their match whenever it goes down, if it's in April, like two James mentioned earlier. But Skrull and Aldis are doing amazing promo work. So if I tell you anything this week, check out that promo on NWA Power. With that said... Royal Rumble's in the books. We're on the road to WrestleMania. We got stuff happening with ROH and TNA and ever, all these other darn companies. And maybe someday we'll have intergender wrestling. And if we do, we'll be here <laughs> about it. So for Heel Will Mahoney and uh, Damien and Silly Sellis and Two Chains and Giant Crab Jamal, it's the Big Gold Belt Wrestling Podcast. And we will see you again next week. <laughs>